Hi, I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals. And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus, a relationship podcast. And welcome to the Weenus podcast with Carolyn and Jeremy. And we have got a lot to talk about this week, don't we, Carolyn? We do. That's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) That is a little ironic that the question was, don't we have a lot to talk about? And that was my very, very short response. Way to share. Way to share. I'm there. (laughs) So we're, we're talking this week about things that we see as therapists that set couples up for success in therapy and also guarantees their doom in therapy. Oof. And so, you, yeah, it's a strong word, isn't it? It, it sounded good coming out of my mouth and then I thought about it. I don't know. So we are going to go through kind of a top five list of two different things. What can ensure that your therapeutic experience in couples therapy is not going to work? And what can give the possibility for your couples therapy to actually be successful? And these things are, are things that you should think about as you go into each session, the things that are going to build the greatest amount of, of, of possible goodness for you to benefit from the money that you're spending on the, th- the, the therapy that you're doing. And I think in general that a lot of these can translate over to individual work too. You know, just if, if people are listening and they're thinking like, oh, well, I'm not doing couples therapy, um, stay with us. Like, I think a lot of this can also translate over to, to individual work. Right, right. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I'll, I'll get into this. The, the n- number one thing that doesn't work, we're going to go through a, a list of five things that, that are really, really difficult to get um, uh, success out of when you're going into couples therapy. I'm going to go ahead and say that number one is willfulness. W- willfulness, and I, and I, I see this uh, quite, quite a bit in couples that come in and it kind of feels like therapy is just a checkbox on the way to divorce. It's the, it's the thing that you do to say, oh, well, we even tried therapy and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, of, of course that approach is not going to be uh, uh, successful with that kind of, 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 a, of approach to things. Have you seen this sort of thing too, Carolyn? Well, yeah, I, I see that all over the place. I get a lot of um, what we call a yeah, buts, you know? And so it's like, well, here's even something as simple as like, and, and a lot of times in individual therapy, like maybe I might suggest like getting some exercise because that's really good for us mentally, you know, believe it or not. Um, and people are like, well, yeah, but, um, and that for me typically tells me that there's some willfulness going on. It's like, I still want to do things my way, um, even though, you know, that, that, likely isn't working, like we're here. So likely your way isn't working. And so telling us all the reasons why you can't do things doesn't necessarily help. I think what I find that helps is like, well, we tried this and here's what happened. You know, here's how it didn't quite work out. Like we tried your recommendation and it, and we got into this fight because of this and this and this, and then that gives us information. But if you're just going to tell us why you're going to get into a fight, you know, we don't really know. So, so willfulness and, and that inability to, to try new things can be really, you know, can just be really stagnating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that 
one, one thing that makes it really difficult to get things going is oftentimes there's a lot of feelings coming into the therapy mm-hmm. session. But when you say, okay, how did your week go? And you get this kind of good, <laughs> when, come on, work with me here, folks. What, what went well? What was a challenge? Talk about uh, why uh, we're avoiding an answer by just saying good um, and, and waiting for the other one to maybe speak up um, in, instead yeah. of actually you know, saying something. I think that that can be tough. Like I, you and I, we've both done couples therapy work, right? Um, and I think it can, it can feel a little awkward to suddenly be having this conversation about our relationship with someone else um, and to be talking to someone else in front of our spouse about them and the relationship. Um, and so I understand you know, that that can be difficult. Um, I think that it takes some time to, to build that. Um, and part of our job as therapists is to just be curious. So we're going to ask you all those questions. Um, and hopefully we get into that rhythm, into that routine of, of acknowledging that like, we really are interested. Like I talk a lot, a lot, a lot with clients about like, when have you had an hour where someone literally sits down and just wants, wants you to share how things are going? Um, so switching into that mindset. Um, and again, as therapists, that's part of our job to help you. Um, but switching into that mindset that you really are sitting down for an hour with someone who wants to hear the answers to these things. You know, it's not the passing by Joe in the hallway of like, Hey, how you doing? Like, Oh, I'm fine. Like this is really, so you really do, if you're sitting in a waiting room or, or if you're doing like with us, virtual therapy online, maybe kind of giving yourself a minute to sit down beforehand and just being ready to actually shift into that idea that like someone actually wants to listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's. That's a really good point. Just taking 15 minutes before without the cell phone and just mm-hmm. think about why am I here? What is it that is the goal of going into a therapy session with my partner? And, and what is it that has really been challenging for me this week? Right. Um, like know. what has actually gone on? Because I'm going to get asked about that. You know, I start every session with what's gone well this week. Um, and it takes my, the people I work with a little bit of time to kind of get used to that. Um, you know, but I think that it's good to focus on the fact that like things have, you have done things well, um, and not just like what went well, but what did you do well? And then likely my next question is going to be, you know, what didn't go great? You know, what do we need to talk about? So be ready for that. It's, it's not a surprise. You're in therapy. We're going to ask you the same questions. Right. And another part of willfulness is this kind of tit for tat, keeping score approach to conflict and wrongdoing where one or maybe even both partners have a very strong understanding of the ways in which they've been offended by their partner this right. week. Uh, you know, and, and they're, they're, they tend to be much more adept at speaking of those things than of, you know, providing some kind of forgiveness and dignity to the other person. Uh, that's a real difficult thing to break through or to get success out of if it were focusing on the things that the other person has done wrong mm-hmm. yeah. rather than, than coming and trying to understand. Or even just the idea of like, it's not me, like I'm here for them, right? And like, here's all the things that they've done wrong this week. Um, and I just, I just, I, I totally agree. I find that if, if we're keeping score in our relationship, um, that that, that's not working because relationships aren't even, you know, for several years, um, I worked full time while my husband went to school. 
Um, and we're very fortunate that he had his VA um, support through that. So there was some income there, but you know, I was working full time and he was going to school and he was at home and, and I did feel out of balance. Um, but that's because our relationship, it doesn't go tit for tat. You know, now he's working full time as a teacher and loves his career. And I'm so happy that I could support him in doing all of the hard work he had to do to get there. Um, but anytime I found my mind kind of slipping into that, well, I'm the one at work all day. Like all that does is just breed resentment and frustration. And it's, it's not fair. You know, I know it seems fair that things are, you know, that things have to be even all the time. But the thing that I find most with couples that I work with, or even just individuals in their relationships is just that idea that like relationships aren't fair. That's not how it works. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I think as far as a willfulness goes, that pretty much encapsulates the, the, the resistance to the process of therapy that, that I do tend to see sometimes. And, and it really makes it difficult to, to get going in a process. Mm-hmm. So number two that we've kind of come up with here is secrets in, in a couple's relationships. Uh, and, and secrets can be a lot of different things. The obvious thing is secret relationships, um, you know, the affair and, and so forth. Uh, it can also be uh, addictions, uh, addictions that somebody is, is not willing to acknowledge, mm-hmm. um, uh, things, things that we're holding back in therapy uh, because we don't want to deal with it at all. Uh, right. Secrets are, are terribly difficult and it's uh, something that's not going to set the process up for success. Right. And so anytime, like I've, I've shared with folks that like anytime, because I work a lot in addiction, anytime that I do anything that I can't tell my partner, whether that's sneaking off to Taco Bell at lunch um, because I had an extra couple bucks in my pocket um, or talking with someone in a way that like, I feel like I would need to delete that on my phone um, or, you know, or just anything that I feel like we can't talk about in a relationship. And a lot of times in relationships that comes in the form of things like porn or, or having conversations or even just flat out other relationships outside of our marriage that our partner doesn't know about. Um, And those are things that are really difficult to talk about. And a lot of times it's become very justified if the marriage isn't working and doesn't feel good for people then it becomes very justified and people become clearly very defensive and protective of it. They figured out a way to maintain their marriage and be happy or, or meet their needs in ways that, that their partner isn't aware of. Um, and yet, you know, I think that it's surprising to me how little we've, we talk about in relationships. You know, I talk with people who've never shared you know, things that they really enjoy sexually with their partner. And it's like, this is the person you've decided to stay with forever. Like it's time to have that conversation. Yeah. 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 Being open in, in therapy and couples therapy is, is absolutely critical to, to getting to the next step of, of a relationship and getting over the, the challenges. Right. And I think that a lot of that comes with trust, you know, trust of your therapist that, it's our job, you know, we're there to help create that safe environment so that you can have these really difficult conversations. Um, and so that's something, if there is a secret that you just don't feel safe enough to share yet, um, sometimes we can meet individually to kind of talk about that and talk about how are we going to share that with your partner. 
Um, and, but, but the point being that we're going to do that, you know, as, as a therapist, we, we don't hold secrets when we're doing couples work. Um, but we can definitely have conversations, you know, a separate session to, to talk about how do we share this? You know, what do we do? How do we share this in a way, um, that is still loving and kind and, you know, lines up with, with your values. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That can be really tough though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one here is blame. And you ever sat with that couple in therapy where there's one person is clearly to blame for all of the problems that there are in the relationship. And usually the person doing the blaming is very well, uh, uh, well rehearsed in the, in, the, in, in the specific things that the other person is to blame. And then you, you have one person kind of walk in with a, a rap sheet of what the other person has done. And you can kind of see that other person as pretty beat down uh, pretty, pretty tired. Uh, and, and that's a really difficult thing to overcome because usually that comes with one person having a strong perspective that they have not done anything uh, wrong, but that the other person is just not really getting what this relationship is about and, and how to navigate it and, and really what the needs are of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and I often find that it's just that you have people with different values and you can be married to somebody who has different values than you to a certain extent, right? Uh, but but uh, there, there, there comes a point where one person's needs and ideas are more important than the other person's needs and ideas. And when blame becomes the currency of the, of the marriage or relationship, it's, it's a really difficult thing to overcome in, in a therapy uh, session. Yeah. And it can feel really, you know, if, if you're, I tell people all the time, if you are walking around and I know this from experience, waiting for your partner to be something different, um, imagine what that feels like for your partner. You know, if they're just constantly getting blamed for being wrong or the problem, you know, I think that as that partner, that, that just gives you, you know, eventually you're going to come up with permission to, to seek kind of feedback outside of your marriage. So to be, to be the one to blame can create a lot, a lot of problems. And it's just tough. Like, I think we forget that this is a person that we love, you know, when things get really, really hard, like this is a person you love. Um, And so just blaming them, like maybe it feels good that there's nothing wrong with you, but just blaming them for everything can just be really devastating for them. Yeah, we really can. I, I sometimes get this thing where, uh, it's usually the person who seeks the therapy that comes in and was really looking for uh, kind of a Judge Judy episode in therapy where they can be judged by the therapist to be uh, without fault while right. the other one is, is with fault. And you, you, you think about that and you, you, you go, well, that's ridiculous. That can't set up for success. But that, that happens uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really difficult to... For sometimes in in therapy sessions to get one person to go okay i i can see where this would be really really difficult thing for my partner to overcome that that they always start at the starting line are wrong in things right yeah yeah and i've got uh number four is a score-based idea and we talked about this a little bit in willfulness all Mm -hmm. already um and i'm gonna go ahead and um throw passive aggression into this, the passive aggressive comments that are really difficult in a marriage to, to build respect 
within the, the relationship with uh, one another, where there always seems to be an implied blame in a statement, but enough plausible deniability that uh, you didn't just totally blame the other person for something, but that you're, uh, you're actually trying to work on this. But if, if, if he could just, you know, maybe think of other people for once, then we'd be able to, you know, have some success. Don't you think so, Mr. Therapist? Yeah, that can be really tough to sit in the room with. <laughs> and uh, number five, low information responses. That kind yeah, of- Yeah, uh, and we talked about that a little bit too, but I think just, again, just knowing that we're gonna ask you questions and you're here to talk with us. And so my, I, will, I never make my clients talk about things they're not ready to or they're not willing to, um, but my question will always be, okay, well, why not? You know, tell me, tell me what's going on that makes that difficult to talk about or tell, you know. And again, like we, we fine, we don't have to talk about it. I'm with you, but like what's going on? Um, and so again, our, one of our biggest jobs is just being curious. And so if you come into the room and just aren't willing to talk about those things, then, you know, it tells us a little bit about what's going on, but it makes, makes things pretty hard. And, and I just, I just want to say like, this is our job, you know, it's our job to help and support and to build that, that relationship and that conversation. Um, and so we're not saying that you have to come in and do all of the work. Um, but after like a few sessions, you, you're doing the work like this is, and that's the hard thing you're paying to come in and do the work. Um, but to come in and just over and over to not have a lot to say about things or, you know, again, my question will just be like, why, like what's going on? So as you're talking, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how as therapists, we're trying to craft what we're kind of f sensing and feeling and, our, and applying our, our expertise to answers that come out. And, and sometimes we end up going in a direction that might not be completely helpful. And the idea is to kind of come back and go, okay, that's not something that's relevant here. Let's try this. And so the therapist is working hard to try to go in a direction that is, is helpful in the relationship. What, um, what I've had uh, happen at times is one or both partners put up major roadblocks in what can and cannot be talked about. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm not willing to talk about that. When you can see as a therapist, that's a major issue in this. So are we all just supposed to be, am I supposed to join in the codependence that this is just something that we don't talk about when it's obviously the thing that is creating a great deal of the strife within this marriage? And, and I'm supposed to kind of cooperate in, a, okay, we'll just, we'll just uh, leave the elephant in the living room right over here and we'll go ahead and talk about that, that, that uh, he or she doesn't set the table correctly and it looks ugly and sometimes the dishes are dirty and, and, and these sorts right. of things. The limiting of what it is that we can talk about in therapy is, is something that is, is uh, uh, what I find to be resistant uh, from, uh, from clientele. Right. And again, you know, I think it takes time. It takes building that relationship together. It takes trust. And it may take some exploration of like, well, why, you know, again, if, if you're not willing to talk about that, then please, please, please be just willing to talk about why, you know, why can't we talk about that? What's going on? Um, and a lot of that comes with, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? You know, what's going on there? Well, absolutely. And you have a list of the things that will work, the good things in therapy. Yeah, I got the good list. Um, and I like that. 
So number one, I think that this will be kind of a lot of obvious stuff, but, and especially since we've talked about all the things that don't work, but number one in any kind of therapy, individual therapy or couples therapy, whatever is willingness, you know? So we talked a lot about willfulness and what that looks like. Willingness is coming in ready, you know, ready to participate, ready to, to take homework. You know, the thing that I find with clients, the thing that tells me something really, really positive about a client is, you know, we have session one, we talk for the full hour, number one, great, hooray. Two, they come back the next week and they say, you know, I, I tried this thing that we had talked about. And then you would also mention this and here's what I did with that. And again, I'm not looking for you to come back and say, you know, Carolyn, you're just the best therapist. I did these things. They work great. I'm so happy with it. What I'm looking for is for you to come back and say, I tried these things. This one didn't work. Here's how I tried it. Because really, eventually, we're going to get to the fine tuning stage where we're just kind of taking what you've tried out in the real world and kind of adjusting it, you know, a little bit at a time. Um, so we don't want to overhaul everything ever. You know, you're not broken. We're not there to fix you. So we just want to try new things and see how it works. But um, if you feel like you have to please us by coming back in and saying like, oh, everything worked great. I did it all when really you didn't do any of it and it, or it didn't really work, then that doesn't help you in therapy. So it's okay to come in and say, you know, I didn't try any of that stuff. Um, because again, now we need to talk about, okay, how do we make it, what barriers are happening that you're not able to try these new skills? Um, but just a willingness to do the work, a willingness to be present, um, a willingness to be vulnerable. Yeah. And, and willingness, like you said, it includes, please try the homework, um, make a note of it on your, on your uh, way that you're, you're going home. Sometimes I send printouts that are sometimes couples don't know how to have a conflict that, it, that has a positive resolution. And I send that roadmap for conflict to them. Uh, and it, it tells me a great deal about where a couple is at if they actually print it out and mm -hmm. they say, I tried it this week. Oh my gosh. I saw someone the other day, we were having a video session and they were like, they pulled up, they had a, a thing that I had sent them printed out. And like, literally Jeremy, it just made my heart like two, <laughs> two sizes bigger. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big deal. Um, and we do, we send a lot of those kinds of things. And if you're looking for that roadmap, um, for conflict, that's over in episode three. Um, we have a link, you can download that totally free. Um, number two, um, I have written down here, open ears, you know, be ready to listen. I think that when we start, when we show up at, at couples counseling, a lot of times people show up at couples counseling, like real late in the game. Um, things are pretty bad. We haven't been communicating well for a long time. But what happens is we stop hearing our partner, right? Like we stop even listening to our partner. And again, we're kind of shifted over into that, like they're wrong, they're to blame. This is their fault. They've hurt me. Um, and we get pretty defensive. We're pretty, we're behind our, our castle walls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I see this when I start sensing openness in a, a, a therapy session. And then one person says something that doesn't really seem that off to me. And the other one just immediately yep. shuts down. And, I, and I'm trying to sit like, what happened? What was this? And, and then what I get is, well, if, if she's saying that, then that's what this means. And we're kind of done here. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, this, this kind of, this person shuts off. And, and, and now, now, we're busy for the next 20 minutes of the session to try to figure out how to just open that up. And it's, it's a lot of wasted time 
when we're all trying to figure it out here. We're all trying to come together uh, and we have to figure out how everything kind of works together. And when we're shut down, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And so that, that, that willingness to hear with kind of different ears and maybe give feedback on when you say mm -hmm. that, it makes me feel this. Right. And or we can talk about story, that. Here's the story I'm telling myself or here's what I hear kind of thing. Um, you know, and so I will say, you know, I, I kind of started thinking like, as we're talking about this, like, this could also be a way for us to like work ourselves out of a job. If you want to avoid couples therapy, um, and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with couples therapy, but if you just want to improve your relationship, like having open ears, like hearing what your partner's actually saying versus just launching into the storyline that you've been creating in your head can really be helpful in a relationship. The moments in my relationship where I feel heard and I feel seen, like truly, those are the moments that I feel the most connected and, and the happiest, really. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't go to the mechanic and, and, and run the car and say, can you hear that? Can you hear that? Can you hear that? And when the mechanic says, no, I'm not hearing it, you shut the car off and go, well, then if you can't hear it, then this is not useful. No, you, we, we have to go further because that noise means something. You know what that noise means? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's actually diagnose it and get right. somewhere with it because we can't make improvements if we're, if we're not willing to talk about that stuff. Or even just recognizing that you're hearing a noise that no one else is hearing. That's a you know? thing. Like when I react to something that my husband has said and he looks at me like he has no idea what's happening, it's probably because I heard something totally different, right? So yeah. open ears is a big one. I think that's a big one just in our relationships in general, but especially in couples therapy. Um, number three is I statements. Um, you know, like you said, with blaming and that tit for tat kind of score-based relationship stuff that just doesn't work. You know, an I statement of I'm feeling, I'm hearing, I'm experiencing, like whatever that is. It's so much easier on the other person and, it, and it's a real skill that you have to develop. And when you first start doing it, you realize how much we tend to talk about the other person. Right. And, and that we're trying to decrease defensiveness in mm -hmm. this whole situation here. So if you can say, I, I feel overwhelmed when right. this thing happens instead of you totally overwhelm me with that. When you, mm -hmm. when you say this and I feel like all the responsibility is mine, you know, there's, there's a totally different way of going about that. Then the other person can talk about it. And usually what you find is I didn't know you felt that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I statements as, as therapisty as it feels like that, we continue to encourage you to do that. It's, it's helping you get heard, yeah. you know? So when, when you say something like you make me feel, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm just getting behind my castle walls and I'm ready to, to defend myself. And so instead of saying, I feel overwhelmed when this happens, um, even if that, this is something the partner's doing like, or, you know, I feel disappointed when I come home and there's dishes in the sink. Um, saying like, you're like, you're just really lazy. Like it, it makes me so angry that there's dishes in the sink. Like yeah. they don't, no one's hearing that. Or, or you get the, the guy who does the sigh and then the arm fold, which is the <laughs> verbal way, the, the, the nonverbal way of saying, here we go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Number four is taking, you know, so we talked about open ears. And I think number four is like open eyes, like taking a fresh look at your partner um, and the possibility that maybe what they're experiencing is difficult. 
you know, like maybe, maybe they're experiencing their own anxiety. You know, for me personally, like I'm a, I, I have issues with anxiety. My partner really struggles with that. He's very logical, my husband. Um, and so it's very difficult for him to understand, like when I'm anxious and kind of doing whatever I'm doing, that's, you know, what we would call like a maladaptive behavior, a behavior that I've kind of developed to try to manage or control what feels out of control for me. He has a hard time hearing that, like, I'm not choosing to be anxious. I wouldn't choose to be anxious. I need you to hear that. I need you to understand that I'm really struggling in this moment. Um, but if we're in that blame kind of place and it's hard for us to see our partners, you know, so taking a fresh look at things and really being willing to leave all of that stuff at the door of like, well, but you know, two years ago you did this and you know, that couple that just has the litany list, like you talked about. I work with a lot of couples who have been together for a long period of time. And I'm going to go ahead and define that as five plus years. And, uh, and there's not a, a whole lot of, um, uh, of, of stuff that we take in through media and books and everything like that about the course of a lifetime and how each of us changes mm -hmm. and our, our values change and we mellow out in this area or we get more uh, convicted on an idea in that area and we grow up. And because of that, our relationships tend to change and, and the way that we relate to one another has to change too. And so what we, what we often find is, is that there's certain parts of the way that we relate to one another that we kind of feel like need to remain stagnant. But you, you talk to any couple that has been together for 50 years and, and they will openly acknowledge that you just, you, you change and you grow with the other person and you, uh, you recognize that you are two individuals making the best of it together mm -hmm. and that you have to make room for the different person that your, your partner becomes and that you do it together and you make room for, for one another together. So this whole fresh look thing is maybe the both of you have changed and that's okay. And there's still room for the other one in your life. Uh, there's just a, a different person that you are now than you were maybe a decade ago. I certainly am. Yeah, and I think that that's a really beautiful kind of transition. The last, the last, but certainly not least, is acceptance. Um, I think I think there's a lot in that. You know, we're not going to dive into that too much, but I think there's a lot in that of accepting that your partner maybe has changed, accepting your partner for who they are, um, accepting that your partner isn't everything. One of the very few black and white statements that I stand by is that no one is going to be able to be everything to you, mm -hmm. right? So my husband loves to mountain bike. I don't. It's something that I wish I could do for him because of my own codependency. Um, but he's got other friends that he goes mountain biking with. Um, and as much as I wish that I could, that's a really, that's a part of his life he's really passionate about. He loves mountain biking. I wish I could do that with him. But they're, they're just is just a simple fact is that our relationships aren't perfect. We're going to get into arguments. There's things that I want to do that he doesn't. Um, there's, there's things that he can't really understand that, that other people can. And so if we try to lock our partner into this thing of like, you should be able to understand everything and support me in everything and hear everything and be the, the answer for everything and go mountain biking and do all the things with me. No one is going to be able to do that for you. It doesn't mean that your relationship isn't wonderful. Right. I, I, 
I want to be careful about the way, because the word ego is a very strong word, but, but I find a lot of couples where one or both are really got their egos wrapped up around a specific idea or a specific way that things need to be or a specific sometimes version of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that can be very detrimental because if you decide that something is right or wrong, uh, and the other person fails to meet that, unless it's something that's objectively right or wrong, you know, then then you have an inability to kind of meet in the middle, uh, or 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 this is something I can live with, this is something that I can't live with. Uh, if you have defined that and you're walking in with that, well, there's only one choice: the other person has to change for you. Um, and uh, is is it really that big of a line in the sand? Is it really have to be that way? Are you willing to are you willing to go through the next steps of life uh, that that might be really really tough um, it, uh, because you, you're not willing to let go of that? You got your ego so wrapped up in in some version of things, and right. so yeah, the the acceptance of how things are that you change and that your partner. It's not necessarily a bad person because they're not exactly who you wanted them to be mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. And I think that just acknowledging, like for me, like even the simple thing I used to, in our, our previous house, my garage door used to, uh, where I parked my car, I'd walk in and that led me right into the kitchen. Um, and I, for whatever reason, and I, I won't go into all of it, for whatever reason, when I walk in and there's dishes in the sink, um, it just, it just makes me frustrated. Um, and again, I won't get to get into all the detail. I had to decide that I'm going to like, that's not the hill to, to die on. Like, it's just not that big a deal. I mean, I can't tell you the number of disagreements or fights that my husband and I got into because there were stupid dishes in the sink and how much easier my life got when I walked in, when I literally, when I would put my hand on the door, I would just say like, so what, you know, so what if, if the kitchen's a mess, it's okay. There's certain things, you know, what I don't want people to hear is that we're saying like, whatever, just it's acceptance isn't this like hands in the air, you know, mentality of like, whatever, whatever life gives me, then that's just what it is. If there's abuse in your relationship, if there are things that you simply cannot accept, you know, I, the, the dish in the sink is an easy one, like let it go. I know that there's things that are much more complicated, like you're, you know, you're liberal and your partner's conservative. My hope is that we can we can have those conversations respectfully, right? And approach each other with that. Maybe, but maybe there really are certain lines in the sand that you can't cross. And that's a great thing to talk about in counseling. Like this for me really is a hard boundary. How do I help my partner kind of help meet me there? Um, or can we figure out like, does it need to be a hard boundary? You know, is this really where you need to, to take a stand? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, and I, I think that pretty well wraps up in a, in a nice little half hour capsule. Here's how to get the, the most out of therapy when you come with your partner. And your um, relationships, really. I think that that was, there was, there's a lot in there. Um, so please feel free to email us at ascentonlinecounseling.com. We're actually going to have a new website up. We've been working hard on this for a while. Yes. Um, there's going to be a new website up soon, but you can email us at ascentonlinecounseling at gmail.com. I don't think I said the Gmail part. Um, or like us on social media, we've got an Instagram, we've got Facebook, and now we've even got Twitter. Although I feel really old saying this, I'm not quite sure how Twitter works, but we're working on it. Um, it's a machine, right? And you go up to it and you, it's got a crank on the side and you put a little ticker note inside. That's, 
No. Something, yeah. 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 Something like that. That so I'm in charge of Twitter. Um, not Jeremy, so don't worry about that. Um, so yeah. So again, thanks everybody for listening. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time.